As a lawn care provider, do you want to make a year-round income? Are you worried at the end of the lawn care season because you don't know how you're going to make it through the winter? Then you need to check out the 12-month contract from the Mowing in the Dark podcast. This is the same contract that Aaron uses to grow his lawn care business. This 100% editable 12-month contract template is available for only $5.99. The contract has rock-solid terms and conditions, so you are protected from all kinds of liability in lawn maintenance and snow removal. Get your 12-month contract at mowinginthedarkpodcast.com today. I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. Guys, we have a snowstorm bearing down on us here across the state of Michigan into, I think it's Ohio, maybe Canada. I think, I don't know, but I know it's coming here to Michigan and it's going right over Lansing. So we are inundated for snow. Now, this is going to be a big snowstorm. This here in Lansing, we're expected to get about six and a half to seven inches of snow. Now that could change. We could get up to 10 inches. So it's between six and 10 inches of snow. I've been watching the forecast really closely, keeps changing up and down, but Basically, that's the thinking, six to 10 inches. So this is going to be a massive storm. Uh, It's going to go quick. This is a fast storm. It's going to start at about four to five o'clock in the afternoon, and it's going to be done by 2 p.m. So this snow is going to be coming down, or 2 p.m., 2 a.m. So it's going to be coming down very fast. It's going to be wet, heavy, miserable snow. So with that... I don't know. We we'll just have to see whether or not um, we get that amount of snow because it is so warm outside right now. It's going to get up to like 35, 36 degrees today. So when that snow starts falling, it's still going to be 36, 37 degrees. But once the snow starts falling, the temperature is going to start to drop. And so then we're going to be uh, around that six o'clock time frame is when snow is going to probably start sticking on the pavement. However, at five o'clock, it's really supposed to start coming down hard. So that snow buildup might overcome that pavement temperature at that point, And it might start building up. So we'll just see. Uh, one thing we do know is it's going to be slushy underneath and it's going to be thick, wet, heavy snow. And my partner in crime, Marcus, he went to his uncle and aunt's house for the evening. So I'm alone. (laughs) So I might have to go out twice, uh, run the whole route twice. Usually that takes about um, 12 to 14 hours uh, in regular, nice, fluffy snow. So this could be like a, you know, 16, 17, 18 hour run. So I'm getting prepared for that. I'm probably going to try to take a nap this afternoon, just trying to get prepared for that. But 
That's just an update on what's going on here. You guys know I talk about the weather almost every video, the, the beginning of the video. So um, that's what I've got going on here. I'm still waiting to hear back. If you listen to previous podcasts, um, waiting to hear back on financing on a machine. Uh, so we'll see about that. That is eaten up a lot of my brain power and focus the last few days. So I haven't been really focused on anything else. And it's been, I'm trying to get refocused here. And one of the best ways to do that is to jump into God's word. Uh, I don't know about you, but that just kind of resets my brain and lets me know that, hey, this, this problem, this issue isn't all there is out in the world. That there's more to life than than financing this machine. There's more to life if if the financing falls through on this machine, life's not going to end. Your your life isn't going to be over. Just just accept it. Know that you've done all the research. Accept it. Shift your mindset. Get your mind off of it. And let's think about something else. And so that's what I want to do today for myself. And maybe you're in a spot today where. You need God's word to just kind of come in and refresh your thinking. And so that's what we're going to do today. Uh, We are jumping into Ephesians 5. So what we do on Faith Friday, I don't give a little short devotional and say, la la, farewell, you know, have a good day. You know, may may God be your genie. No, uh, I jump into the word and we actually dig into it a little bit. Now we don't dig super deep, but I try to go as deep as I can on here and uh, just kind of open it up a little bit. So we've been going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, We are in Ephesians chapter 5. Now I want to give my little disclaimer here. I'm not a Bible scholar. I didn't go to Bible school. I I have no biblical training at all. I just love the Word of God, and I love digging into it, and I love sharing it with people. And so that's why I do these Faith Friday episodes. I think that as, as business owners... Uh, there's a lot of business owners that don't listen to this pot or there's a lot of people that aren't business owners that listen to this podcast, but there are a lot of business owners that do. And I think as business owners, we have basically four things that we really need to focus on. All right. We need to focus on our faith. We need to focus on our family. We need to focus on our, uh, what was it? Faith, family, uh, something else, uh, physical for sure. And then spiritual, well, faith. So, and then, uh, then your business, your business is last. So I really think that faith dictates your thinking in a lot of ways. And so that's why I make it a part of this podcast because I, I know how important it is to me and to many of my, my friends out there in the business community. And so I think it's important. I don't think we should skip on it. I don't think we should not talk about it. I don't think we should not dig into the word. And so that's why I do these Faith Friday episodes. All right, guys. So let's jump into Ephesians chapter 5. The way I do this is I read through the whole chapter, and then we go back to verse 1 and go through it verse by verse, okay? So let's go. Be imitators of God, therefore, and dearly loved children. I'm sorry, let me start over. 
Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a man such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is the light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but, uh, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body one which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And that ends 
Ephesians chapter 5. So let's go back to verse 1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. All right, so we need to imitate God. That's what Paul is saying here. This is a letter written to the church at Ephesus, and um, Paul is the author, and so he's encouraging the church here to imitate to imitate God as as children of God. Because if we're believer, if we believe God, if we believe in Jesus Christ, then we are considered children of God. We're considered adopted. Verse two, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. All right now, what the kind of love that Paul is talking about here is not worldly type of love. It's not. It's not the love of. Um, like love the LGBTQ community. Now we do, but that's, you know, we love everyone, but that's not the type of love that Paul is, is talking about here. He's saying, live a life of love, love one another. And then he expounds on it just as Christ loved us. Christ died for us. That's the love that he had for us and gave himself up. So we are to give ourselves up for our our brothers and sisters in Christ as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So we are supposed to lay ourselves down for our brothers and sisters in Christ. He is specifically talking about the church here, all right? Not people that don't follow Christ. He is specifically talking to the church. Now, I'm not saying that we should not love those that are in the world that are separated from Christ. I'm not saying that, but he is specifically saying this to the church. So we need to keep that in context, okay? Verse three, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. What is sexual immorality? Well, it's it's homosexual acts. I know that's going to ruffle a lot of feathers, but I've got to say it because that's what that is included in the umbrella under the umbrella of of sexual immorality. It's also looking at pornography. It's also um, um, sexual immorality is is having sexual relations with someone that's not your wife. Um, That means inside of marriage or outside of marriage, because sexual relations is only permissible by God in a marriage relationship, in a covenant marriage relationship. So that is also included in that. It could be, it could cover a whole number of different things. Um, Bestiality. Yeah, that, that it covers under that as well. So it's a whole host of things under that, that definition of sexual immorality or, or of any kind of impurity, all right? Any kind of impurity, anything. So watch your thought life is what Paul is saying here. Um, not just sexual immorality, but watch your thought life or of greed, greed. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more money, more money, more money, more money, more money, as much money as I can get. And I don't care who I step on to get it. That's greed. 
because these are improper for God's holy people. These things are improper for Christ followers to do. All right, let's keep going on here. Verse four, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. All right, this this hits home for me big time. I mean, the last verse does too, but this one really hits home for me because I, I used to do a lot of coarse joking. I used to be obscene. Uh, it was It was gross. It was gross. And none of that is supposed to be present in coming out of the believer's mouth. So no foul language, no obscenity, no, no coarse sexual joking, none of that. That's what Paul is saying here. None of that is permissible. All right. But rather Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving should be coming out of your mouth. That should be what's coming out of your mouth. Verse five, for of this, you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So let's focus on this one for just a second here. Such a, such a person is an idolater. What makes, what makes a greedy person idolater? What makes an immoral person an idolater? What makes an impure person an idolater? We put those things ahead of God. We put those things on a pedestal. Money, we put that on a pedestal. That's my God. I need more money. I need that. It's an idol. Sex can become an idol. Coarse joking, all that impure crap can be an idol. That's what Paul's saying here. You're an idolater if that stuff is present in your life none of that has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of such things, God, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Let no one deceive you with empty words. We see that. I see that in the church today. I mean, I look at Joel Osteen. And I think a lot of his words are just empty words. Yes, they're motivational. Okay, if you come from that spot where you've been broken, busted, and disgusted, and you just, you pull yourself up, and you go out there, and you get it done. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just giving motivational speeches instead of preaching the word of God. Yeah, sure, he's popular. Sure, he makes a lot of money, but he's not preaching the word. He, he calls himself a pastor, and he's not preaching the word. They're empty words. It's just empty words. It doesn't mean anything. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. I think what Paul is saying here, partly of what Paul is saying here, is that you go to a church, you hear these empty words, and you think you're close to God, and you think you're saved. You're deceived. This person is up there deceiving you. You're not saved. You're not following Christ by by feeling motivated. You're just 
you're just that you just heard a motivational speech that anyone could give. No, you're just being deceived by this person. Verse seven, therefore, do not be partners with them. If you know somebody that is foul mouthed, always joking, always, always sexual, making sexual jokes, always talking down at people, always talking bad about people, always gossiping about people, always, you know, they're, they're out there cheating on their wife and you know it and they're, they're, or they're, they're out sleeping with their girlfriend. They're not married, but they're, you know, doing married things. He's Paul says, therefore do not be partners with them. So this could, this could apply to business. This could apply to personal. Like if, if you're dating someone that is foul mouthed and just sexual joking all the time, I'm sorry, break that off. You should not be partners with that person because it's just going to drag you down. You're going to be unequally yoked. All right. Verse eight, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Do you hear what that's saying? What he's saying here, those who follow Christ, for you were once darkness. You were darkness is what it says here. But now you are light in the Lord because you follow Christ. Now you're light. Live as children of light. Live as children of the Lord is what Paul is saying here. Live as children of the Lord. Verse nine, this is in parentheses here for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So he's talking about fruit here. If you're a Christian and you're following Christ, there should be fruit from your life showing other people for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and and truth. If the person isn't truthful, if they're not, if they're doing a lot of coarse joking, and, and, and if there's no good that you seem to see in them, they are not a child of the light. They're, they're, they're darkness. That's what Paul is saying here. Verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. Okay. Um, Let's see. Let's go back. I want to read verse eight again, because verse nine was in parentheses. So let's skip verse nine and connect these two. Okay. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. All right. So that connects that, that sentence together. Verse 11 have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's a high, that's a thing, isn't it? Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness. Don't, don't even associate with darkness. If you're a children of child of light, don't associate with darkness, have nothing to do with it, have nothing to do with fruitful deeds. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't be an acquaintance with someone that is in the world. That's the only way they're going to find Christ, right? So you, you do need to be acquaintances with those people. But what, what Paul is, he's hinging this on, don't partner up with that person. 
don't go into business. Don't, you know, don't, don't be associated with that person. All right. Um, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, expose the darkness, expose those deeds. When you're associated with the, when you have contact with darkness, you're the light and you can expose that by saying, Hey man, I'd really appreciate it. If you wouldn't, you know, joke like that while I'm around, it just makes me uncomfortable. I I really appreciate it. If you would just not while I'm around. I know that makes me kind of sound like a, like a goody two shoes or whatever, but it just bothers me. If you could, if you could not do that, that'd be awesome. Things like that. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. That's a big, that's a big verse right there. And I don't really have to expound on it for it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. Just let that sink in. You know, going back to verse 11, my boys, my my oldest son is homeschooled now, but um, when he was in school, his best friend, they hung out a lot at school. And he used to use the Lord's name in vain all the time, just every other word. And it was, it was kind of bothersome to to Marcus, but I, we told him, you know, you can't control what other people say, but you can control what you say. And so he never, he didn't bring it up. He never talked about it. But one day his friend said, does it bother you that I, I use the Lord's name in vain or that I say God a lot? And Marcus was like, well, yeah, it kind of does. And ever since then, when his friend is around him, he doesn't, he doesn't use the Lord's name in vain. That is exposing the darkness to the light, right? Because his friend isn't say, it doesn't follow Christ, but maybe eventually he will. Because my son is exposing him just by living to the light. And, and, and it's awesome that his friend saw that difference in, in Marcus. That was awesome. Uh, Verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Verse 14, for it is the light that makes everything visible. So when you take a flashlight and you shine it into a dark room, it exposes what's in the room. It's the same thing when, when you have, when you go into a dark place or you have a, a friendship with someone who, you know, isn't is is in darkness you're the flashlight and you shine that light on the darkness now i'm not saying my marcus's friend is is like this horrible person i mean to us to god though he he's not he's not redeemed and, and we have to draw that line we have to say you know that that he's still a good person he's not a bad person but he doesn't know Christ. And so that not knowing Christ means he still lives in darkness. But when my son comes around, that light exposes that darkness and it shines light in there on his life. And he looks at himself. His friend looks at himself and he says, oh, maybe I should not do that while, while Marcus is around. And eventually, hopefully, 
that will lead to, maybe I just shouldn't say it at all. And then maybe that will lead to, I'm going to ask Marcus why he's different. And then it just snowballs, right? So it's amazing what the light can do when it comes in contact with darkness. Uh, Verse 14 again, for it is the light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. It is not us that is the light. It is Christ through us shining on them. That's amazing. That's an amazing thought. And that is found, I believe, if I'm reading my notes right here, or not my notes, but my my references, uh, 14, where is it? I think that's Isaiah or either. Yeah, I think it's Isaiah. Isaiah 60 verse 1, probably. So let's keep going on. Verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Be careful how you live because you're a light. Be careful how you live because other people are going to see you. Be careful how you live because you're the light. You're the light to the world. In In your circle, you're the light. You have to be careful making every, making the most of every opportunity. All right. Let me share a story here. So when I was younger, um, in my twenties, my early twenties, I worked at a youth ministry and we had just gotten done with our youth meeting or whatever. It was quite a large gathering, like 70 kids or so. And I was a volunteer and we were going to go to a friend's house and have a couple of adult beverages afterwards. So I stopped in at a gas station right there close to the building. And I picked up some, I think it was Smirnoff ice, like wine cooler things. It was a six pack. All right. And this kid who has had a rough life, his parents were probably alcoholics, came in and I'll never forget this. He, he came into the store while I was in there and I was walking to the register. He saw me with this six pack and he's like, what are you kidding me? And he just turned around and bolted out, bolted out of the store. That still haunts me to this day. Cause in his mind, he's thinking I'm an alcoholic like his parents in his mind. He's thinking that I'm a drunk, that I'm not, I I don't live up to what I say. That's what he's thinking. Now, I know that it's not a sin to drink alcohol. It is a sin to get drunk. All right. No one should ever be getting drunk. So I know that, but he didn't. He doesn't know that. Who knows what that could have done to him and and the, the opportunity that was there for him to follow Christ. He may, he may never have come to know Christ because of that. That haunts me. Verse 15 again. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. That means the days are getting short. Christ is going to come back. 
Therefore, verse 17, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Verse 18, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. All right, so verse 17, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Sometimes that's hard to understand, right? Sometimes that's just not easy. But we can we can know that God's will for us is to be with him. That's what we know for sure. All right? And then do not get, verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Not the spirits, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We should not be out there getting drunk. That I, I stopped drinking just because of the appearance of it. I just didn't want that. I didn't want that appearance. Verse 19, speak to, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. So speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So share those things together. Sing together. Be encouraging to one another. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We should be singing together. We should be thankful together. We should be encouraging one another. That's what we need to be doing. Not this coarse joking, not the foolish talk, not immorality, but encouraging one another, singing together, being together. 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We have to submit to one another in the body of Christ, in reverence to Christ. That's, that's a tall order sometimes, right? And now Paul goes into husbands and wives, and this can is where it can get really touchy, okay? Verse 21, we're just going to dive right into it. Verse 21, wives, submit to your husbands. No, there ain't many wives that like that word submit to your husband as to the Lord. All right, let's stop right there. Submit. What does submit mean? Does it mean if my husband tells me to do something, I definitely have to do it? No. Submitting means that the husband is the final authority. All right. So yes, you can have a disagreement. You can do all that stuff. But at the end, it should come out to where you both agree that, okay, this is good for me to do, or this is good for me not to do. All right. Not, not that your husband is Lord over you. Like you will do this. Verse 22 or 23, or I'm sorry, let's go back to 22 a minute. Uh, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So if you're submissive to your husband, that is a good sign that you're going to be submissive to the Lord. If you're not submissive to your husband, that's a good sign that you are not submissive in your heart to the Lord. That's part of what Paul is saying here. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. All right, let's stop there. The husband is the head of the wife. Think of this as a body. So the husband is the head in your relationship. 
in your marriage relationship. He's the head of the household. The wife is is below. All right? The neck, the the body, the, the children are in there too. But the husband is the head. All right? He's in charge ultimately. When things go wrong in the family, he is ultimately responsible. Okay? When things go wrong in the in the family, in the marriage, he's the one wrong in your marriage. He's the one that's responsible. Do you understand that? It's it's not a lordship thing, it's a headship thing. All right? The husband is the head of the household. That means he's in charge of the household of the family unit. If that thing breaks apart, it's the husband. Even if the wife leaves, it takes the children, it's the husband. Christ will look at the husband. God looks at the husband and says, you didn't do your job. You didn't understand that, did you? That's exactly what it is. All right, verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, uh, his body, of which he is the Savior. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. All right, so again, this is not a, you must do what I say. This is it. No, you discuss it, you talk about it, and you, you figure it out together. But ultimately, the husband has the final say on what happens. All right? Just like Christ is the final word for us. The, the word of God is the final word for us on how we should live. It's the same with husbands and wives. Okay? Verse 25. Husbands. Now, that was two verses or three verses there for wives. Now, Paul goes into like eight verses for husbands. All right? So, Gives you a little hint on, on husbands need a lot more work than wives do, right? Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You are to give yourself up for your wife. Your needs, your desires, your, your wants. You are to give yourself up for your wife. That, that is that is what Paul is saying here. And, and he just says that. So, you know, it is what it is. Verse 26. By the washing with water through the word. Husbands, it's your responsibility to lead your wife spiritually. It's not the church's responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to help her get into the word. It's your responsibility to leave your, lead your entire family in spirituality, in, in growing in this faith. It's your job as a husband. That is your job to lead spiritually in your family. And if you don't do it, that's another issue. Christ, God looks at you. God looks at the head of the house and he says, you didn't lead well. That's what he says. Verse 27, and to represent and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That is a tall order for husbands. 
Verse 26 through 27 again, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her, the husband is to present her to himself, to to me and to God as a radiant church, all right, as a radiant Christian without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That is a super tall order. And that's why I'm saying it is your responsibility, husband, to lead your family spiritually. The church ain't going to do it. It's you. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. You got to, you got to love your wife as if she is your own body. She's you. And we all know we all love ourselves. That is, I mean, the weight that this puts on husbands is unmeasurable. And it's your job to stand up under it and lead your family. It is crucial that you lead your family. Verse 29. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it. But he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. You are to feed and care for your family just as Christ does the church. Feeding it daily. Feeding us all the time. We are there. That's your role. That's part of your role as a father and a husband. Verse 30, for we are members of his body, of Christ's body. 31, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is why husbands leave their parents. And I'm telling you, if you've got a husband that is like has a seems to have an unhealthy relationship with his mother or with his parents because he always wants to be with them, he always wants to go to their house, he wants to hopefully live in their basement, that is unhealthy. He has not left his mother and father and clung, clinged or cleaved to his wife. He is to be united with his wife, and they are to become one flesh. That is through the act of sexual relations. Uh, some of you may not have heard that before, but that's what happens when you have sex with another person. You become one flesh. Let's read on here and we'll find out. We'll, we'll hear a little bit more about this. Verse 32. This is a profound Mystery. What is a profound mystery? Two becoming one flesh. But I am talking about Christ and the church. Uh, 33. And we all know that it's hard to fathom how it even works. But, but it works. Same thing with sexual relations. It's a mystery on how two become one flesh. But it does. Verse 33. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And that ends Ephesians 5. But um, 
Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. He's just restating it again. And the wife must respect her husband. So what he's saying here is at the end of the day, the husband has the call and the wife has to respect that position of the husband as being the head of the household. And so I think we're going to, as we go on here into chapter six next week, we're going to see, he's going to talk about children and parents, and we're going to talk about the armor of God and slaves and masters or employee and employer. So that'll be good for business. So um, that ends Ephesians chapter five. This was kind of a difficult one to hear. It wasn't a super difficult one to read or to understand, but it is super hard to hear. And that's the thing about God's, because it, it chops off those sharp edges in our life. And so uh, this was a really good one, I think. I think it was powerful, and I think it's going to help you in your daily life. I would encourage you to go back and read through this again and just ponder it and, and, and uh, try to understand that profound mystery. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this Faith Friday episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was helpful for you. So.